Scott Hartlane. I'm Tom, a.k.a. Fenn, you're a registrar who solemnly declares that I know not of any lawful impediment of why anyone listens to this podcast. Uh, anyway, I call upon the persons present here to be present for this podcast. I'm going to start that again. I call upon a... <laughs> not even had a drink. It's too many peas. I call upon the persons here to be present for this podcast. Jules, do you promise to take Tottenham Hotspur to respect Harry Winks as an individual and support Spurs through difficult times? I do. Thank you. Jim, do you promise to care for us above all others, even Stockport County, in order to protect us from libel and lawsuits? I do. Thank you. I now declare you... Uh, no, I, I declare you coys as fuck. There you go. He <laughs> isn't really... Spurs fan, but thanks for coming anyway. Nonetheless, uh, apologies for our extended absence over what feels like forever. Christmas is always a hard time to get all four of us, or even just one of the two of us, down uh, to be available for this. Um, and then one of us rather selfishly decided to get married on New Year's Eve, and has decided <laughs> that it's taken up most of his time, and then he needs to go on a mini moon, which is why there was a notable absentee amongst the four of us. Uh, but on a, a serious note, congratulations to Ashley. He is now, uh, you know, con- he, he, he's got some good tax breaks coming up, really. Uh, <laughs> and a very expensive New Year's Eve for the rest of his life. <laughs> Great timing, Ash. Love you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's done well. And the wedding, which I, I, I made it to, uh, because I had to be, because I was a groomsman. Um Great wedding. I, I can now see why he, he never came out, why he was always going, oh, it's too much money. He spent all of his money on that wedding. It was a fantastic <laughs> wedding. I don't know quite where it was, the other side of Braintree, but my good wedding, good taste. Shame about the uh, the guest present. With that's, uh, that's more of his, his life choices than anything else. Um, but, yeah, great, great wedding. And on behalf of the podcast, Ash, well done. And for... Holly's dad, who listens frequently. It's going, to, it's going to be a long road, mate. <laughs> I thought you were going to say well done again then. I was like, oof, no. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> anyway, we've missed four games, lads. And you were definitely on Santa's naughty list. Because we, I think we have missed Norwich, Palace, Southampton and Watford. Am I correct? Yeah, I think, I feel like... We covered Norwich. We did that was something about Norwich. We said Norwich happened. Yeah, yeah, we, we did at least acknowledge it happened. It was shit, but we won because they were shit. And that has since been proved by everyone beating Norwich again. Oh, there we go. We've done it again now. Yeah, cool. Beautiful. Let's uh, do the same if we can for Palace, as it was absolutely ages ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, was it 3-0? Was I should know I was there. It was, it was 3-0, and the only important thing was Wilfred Zaha getting himself sent off for being an absolute moron, and then <laughs> yes. we just put them to bed. Nice and simple. Yeah. There was some discourse about that, wasn't there, on Twitter? And he's just like, eh, that's not interesting. Who cares? There, there are better arguments on Twitter to like stand and observe from the sideline than whether or not Wilfred Zaha deserved a red card. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's, there's good content out there. You can skip past Zaha. He was well, fine. I guess the only thing worth saying about that game is we uh, we talked in the last uh, pod about how 
Jules was the only person to uh, stand up for uh, for Palace in the pre-season preview, which I'll come back to later. And he was <laughs> right to do so because they're doing far better than we all thought they were. And I did. I listened back today just to to hear what uh, what we all said. Um, uh, and uh, Jules made some really good points. Said said they'd made some good signings, that they were going to do fine, and then caveated it brilliantly with, but they might not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Classic corporate stooge. I always leave myself a, a wiggle rim out. <laughs> and then that um, that little caveat came into play in that game. So yeah, bish bash bosh, clean sheet, job done. Nice one. Yeah, nice one, lads. Even though they're missing their manager through COVID, do you reckon it makes a big deal if you if you don't have a manager on the sideline for like a touchline ban or a coronavirus? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because otherwise, what's the point in the manager? <laughs> Does yeah. it not make a bit of a difference depending on the on the manager? Yeah. Because I can't imagine whether or not Roy Hodgson is on the <laughs> sideline or not. Like, he's not going to suddenly get up and inspire you. But well, it depends whether you, they're a manager or a coach, doesn't it, really? Yeah, I, I just think, like, there are certain managers, like, if Klopp is on the sideline, he's a pretty huge human being. He's a pretty intimidating lad. If, yeah, I was if, just going to say they, they missed Klopp at half time the other day. Yeah, mm. yeah, you can see that. And for us, I think fair play, Conte. If Conte's not on the sideline, then our kilometres completed on the pitch goes down by about six. So, <laughs> in all honesty, <laughs> we need him there. Got to keep pop, uh, got to keep uh, padding the stats. Who was the assistant coach that that was standing in for Klopp? Because he he Pat looked Linders. remarkably, yeah, he had, he had exactly the same coat, but he kind of looked like they tried to clone Klopp, sort of a la Dolly the Sheep. And it, it hadn't quite worked. And he ended up with, with that geezer. And I feel like that's the only reason he's, he's in the job. Well, they also made some terrible pun on Sky about, oh, well, at the end of the night, there's going to be at least one happy pep. And you're like, yeah, no. Sky, Sky, have, <laughs> Sky, Sky have embarrassed themselves in so many ways in the past three days. Like, I can't get over how bad their coverage of football is. Am I the only one who thinks this? If, I, no, if there been, was genuine competition and I could choose to, to pay for another provider, even if it costs more, I would. And if you're listening from BT, Sky... BT is even worse. No, I'd, I'd listen to... I'd watch BT ahead of it. Honestly, I would. I'd put up with, with Michael Owen at halftime, Steve McManaman on Cocoms, just to not have... Well, I think we can Graham all said. agree that the very lukewarm take that the best commentator in the world is Ali McCoist is the correct one. Oh, yeah. Ali McCoist, <laughs> oh, yes. John Champion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All about that. Um, mm. Shall we steer back somehow to, uh, yeah, essentially, tough shit for <laughs> Palace. Don't care if Vieira was away or not. Um, job done. Um, then went and stank out the South Coast against mm. Southampton. What did you make of that? It was weird. I thought it was very, very strange. I think we only made three changes going into that game. And I think it was, you know, so soon after the, the Palace game that I was actually quite surprised that Conte made as few changes as he did. But I trust him. He sees the players day in, day out. You expect him to have a very good understanding of our fitness levels. But you looked at the way that Southampton set up. They kind of matched us in that system. They were pressing everyone man for man across the park. And you just thought, we should be able to play our ways out of this. Like, you know, we're quite a good footballing side now. We've got a world-class manager. It's funny how that happens. But yeah, <laughs> up until um, your man, whose name I've completely forgotten, got sent off, and obviously James Ward-Prowse did put them ahead, mm. they were deservedly ahead. Mm. And they, they were running the show a bit. And I think 
without that red card, I'm not convinced we would have won the game. So perhaps looking back, getting a draw wasn't a bad result either, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, it's the sort of game you probably should win. But I suppose when you factor in those different variables you mentioned, playing twice within 48 hours <clears throat> being a big one. Um, and also, you know, in fairness to them, they're not they're not uh, they're not a great team, but they're in pretty decent form. Southampton, particularly at home, and, and obviously we're up for it. Uh, it's probably, yeah, it's, it's one of those you could easily lose. Um, I suppose the more kind of notable thing is that some of the themes I thought from Southampton. Uh, I've only seen the highlights of Watford, obviously, because it wasn't televised, but um, it looked like some of the same kind of issues were there in terms of intensity, um, which may be partly down to the Christmas period, or it may be a sort of bigger issue in terms of pressing and getting forward and using the the flanks effectively and trying to break down teams that are going to sit in. Um, But, yeah. Do you think... I mean, we know that he's anti-ketchup. Do you think it was because he was a bit lax on what else we were allowed to eat on Christmas, like, I know, our Christmas day? But I'm wondering, did the players just have a, a few too many, uh, you know, pigs and blankets? Did yeah, it well, just throw, maybe. It threw us out? It's, um, <laughs> it, it pains me to say it, because I don't like to give credit on this point, but it's something that Jurgen Klopp is right on. If, if we're going to play on Boxing Day, which we should do, because it's a long-standing tradition. It doesn't really make any sense to play on the 28th when you could just play on the 29th. Uh, and that's a fairly standard turnaround. And it does, uh, you do quite often see in those 28th of December games that the intensity uh, of the football across the board is, isn't really as good. Um, mm. And it, it doesn't seem logical to me when there's so many other gaps that you have to kind of force that period of fixtures in and I suppose the flip the flip side is that you get results like that one for teams like Southampton where they have a bit more of a chance against a team with a, a better squad of players um but you know if even if Conte was a bit more relaxed at Christmas so what <laughs> like they're humans aren't they, they... <laughs> no they don't play things <laughs> They should be bending over backwards, um, sacrificing everything for our entertainment. Um, it was Salisu, by the way, Fen, who yes. uh, who got sent off. That's the centre back for for a tackle where there's a great video angle on the replay. I don't know if you saw it, but like he's committing the slide and he's midair, and he therefore knows like he's he's like yeah he's gone for it. And then Son nudges the ball, and you just see the look on his face, and he's like. Oh shit! Because <laughs> it's just every centre back has known that moment of, and here comes the big tackle. Ah, oh, fuck! I've done it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and it was it was beautiful to get it captured. But I thought no, I, I I agree with Jim though. Broadly, Southampton not the end of the world to get the draw. Um, but that creativity versus a deep defence because they started to sit in with ten men was a, a bit of a problem there. And then. It was a real problem against Watford where we might have had, I think we had the, the highest amount of possession since a Poch game. It was like 74% of the ball against Watford. Mm. Um, but we only scored in the 96th minute with Sanchez and that header, which mm. is a lovely feeling because there's nothing quite like a shit house win. 
But at the same time, those are two quite weak teams that we managed to score one very dodgy set piece against yeah. in 180 minutes. Uh, just a mitigating um, piece of evidence, I suppose. I have just had a look, and if I'm getting it right, it looks to me like Southampton have only lost once all season at St Mary's, and that was a 1-0 right at the start of the season. So they do have the ability to kind of grind out results against decent sides. Um, but yeah, I guess that is a bit of a concern, particularly the Watford one. Um, mm. I should have backed myself a little bit because I saw that about an hour where it was nil-nil I thought there's going to be a last minute goal in this one and I don't know which way it's going but that's going to happen and then it did and you're like fuck <laughs> that was worth a fiver <laughs> Ben did you uh, did you go to the Watford game in person uh no I didn't um I think you need hundreds of ticketing points to get to a Spurs away game nowadays for which I my measly 33 <laughs> doesn't get me in uh, away games anymore but it was like the Southampton game stopped and the Watford game immediately started. Um, you kind of had this sort of deep, low block. Um, maybe slightly different formation. Maybe Watford were a bit narrow. Not that it actually affected the mm. outcome in a, in a lot of ways, that we just needed a scrappy set piece. Perhaps mitigating evidence again was that Kane did score a goal. We did have the the goal, the ball in the back of the net twice against Southampton and VAR rightly yeah. or wrongly, you know, I'd argue probably wrongly, um, was taking goals away from us. But obviously, with these sorts of things, you shouldn't be relying on VAR and refereeing decisions to win games. That's always been my my opinion. Um, and quite often, where you don't get a rubber degree in one game you, you do get it the next and you sort of seen it where <laughs> VAR has sort of probably lost us two points uh, against Southampton but then a last minute scrappy set piece uh, Sanchez is nipping in in front of the front of everyone um, great little they had a great ball in by Son mm, mm. but it's one of those you know one of those to that play, we, did, we, did we really expect to obviously we went in expecting to win but watching that game you thought I can I can see him holding on for a draw here well, it's it's probably two games, isn't it, where you would ex on the balance of play, you'd expect four points, and those four points came just not in the places where you thought they would. <laughs> I also think in those in in that game, yeah, you're right, Van Son's cross. That's just like when when a when a player can hit the ball with that much pace on the delivery, it's mm. just an absolute nightmare for the defensive team. You just need any glance on it, don't you? Like he's, yeah, he's got such good. It's on, it's on the point, but it's as well, isn't it? I always think as well, it's like his, I don't know if you've thought this, but recently watching him take corners, I'm kind of surprised we don't score more from corners because his delivery is awesome from there as well. Like he's yeah. clearly absolutely nailed it. Um, but you're right on the VAR thing, you know, it swings and roundabouts. We should acknowledge in the interest of, of being fair that Lloris should definitely have given away a pen <laughs> and, and we yeah. got the rub of the green there. So, you know yeah. what, we didn't, we didn't get Kane's goal, but you know, our captain wasn't wasn't potentially sent off and uh, giving away a pen uh, as well. So swings swings and roundabouts. Well, also, like another thing is that it, this may just be uh, a bad run of form, and if it is, then great because that's still only you know a couple of dropped a uh, couple of draws, a drop points against Southampton and Liverpool. Uh, it, you know, in in a, in a month's time, it may just look like this is a bit of a lead spell, not scoring many tight games and still managing to pick up points regularly um 
and in doing that, allowing the league table to bunch up a bit, uh, which is well, yeah. it's good for the new year because there's lots of football still to be played and uh, Spurs are increasingly in a pretty strong position, mainly because everybody else around them is having <laughs> varying degrees of crisis. <laughs> well, as, I, as we talk, I've, I've just looked up two things here. I wanted to, um, I think, Jim, completely agree. We've conceded four goals in the last eight games with five clean sheets. Um, so exactly to your point, if there's if there's a time of the year to just go on the sort of the the binary one nil run, like this is quite a good time for it. But I've also just seen that United have lost one uh, yeah. nil to Wolves, which mm. just warms my heart. Like it is so lovely. Well. It is so lovely seeing them lose. It is honestly beautiful. <laughs> but if you look at the table so. now, as, as it stands. That we've played 18 and won 33 points. And again, you know, putting things into perspective, the Christmas period is always tricky regardless of who your opponents are. And out of Norwich, Palace, Southampton, Watford, we've picked up, what, 10 points out of 12? Mm. That ain't bad, Gary. No. But let's be frank about that. In a busy period, coupled in with COVID as well, and indeed the sort of longer-term effects that that can have on fitness, we're doing all right. So we're sixth place. Played 18, 33 points. Third place, well, let's look at this a little harder now. Second place at Chelsea, played 21 on 43 points. So they're 10 points ahead, which sounds like a fairly big gap. But three we have two hand. games in, well, we have three games in hand on them. Yeah. And we have to play them again this month. So yeah. even though we might not be playing as, we're not as free scoring as we would have liked to have been against the sort of level of opposition that we've been up against. We've created plenty of chances. We're having lots of more shots on target, which we, which we forget we, we're missing under under Nuno in particular, with the same group of players. Mm. So for me, it, it's all still positive. I think the slight problem that Conte's got having come in mid-season is that he he very clearly only trusts a select group of players <laughs> to be able to do it at in the biggest games. Uh, so, so he's he's not he's not going to rotate as much as we'd like him to, or as he should, because of how intensely he, he runs his players and how he runs his teams. He relies on a lot of rotations. He relies so heavily on his wing backs that they can't be playing two, you know, two games in a week. But we haven't got the depth at the moment, and he doesn't trust the squad players that we have in order to rotate enough to get us through these busier periods. Mm. I don't think, though, with Conte, he's going to mind that because we don't have European football, thanks to the absolute... <laughs> calamitous experience that we had in the Europa Conference League so and and I can frankly see Conte sacking off the FA Cup or not really bothering so much with it in, if it means that he's got a real chance of just playing the same 11 week in week out in the league like I think he would just see it as if you can get four because the others around us are fucking up you just put pedal to pedal and you put all your eggs in that basket I could see him doing that and um, but it does, you make a good point, Ben. He only trusts a certain number of the players. And we are now in January. Window is open. Ooh. What do you... Norm- what do you normally it means what, nothing. I mean, normally it means nothing. But Conte, I do believe, I don't think Conte takes the job unless he's been given some assurances by Paratici about what is coming. What do you think they yeah. could do? I mean, that's definitely the case. But I don't... January is always notoriously a difficult window and Conte's obviously come in mid-season 
we're not expecting him to to you know fly a rocket ship to the moon in his first season you know we're not necessarily expecting him to get champions league football we're just expecting him to to steady the ship let's be honest when it when he looking at where we were at the nuno how we were playing the quality of the players how he's turned that around our expectations at a time were i'll take europa league football i think he can get his team to finish fifth and that would still be a good season and then he's got the summer to go again we need to remember those targets because we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves mm. we're getting a little bit too excitable about what we can do when you know you watch the Liverpool game and you see the sort of what this team can do in big games in particular uh, and how our you know when when the crowd really gets behind the team how that can rally us as well to make us run further and it, I think it's given a, a false sense of what we could achieve in just less than a season of Conte and a, you know it would be great to go oh actually yeah let's go for it let's throw in a few players in January and let, let's see see what can happen. I don't think that's necessarily realistic. You're gonna, you're not, you're probably not gonna sign the players you want to. You're probably gonna have to pay over the odds to get them in the first place. And the amount of quality players that are gonna be out of contract in the summer, and you would rather pay the millions now to get them in. I, I quite frankly am patient enough to wait. I know a lot of fans won't be, but I think it would benefit us immensely to be a bit more patient. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. It's not. Clubs that sign marquee players in January tend to be the desperate ones. And there's no need to be desperate. I think you're far likelier to see um, some outgoings in January, probably. Um, but nothing major coming in. And it doesn't seem to make logical sense unless you get some amazing deal. It's, it's better to put that energy into lining things up in the summer. Um, I suppose there's an argument to say that there's still some kind of desperate clubs because of COVID that may not be in as bad a situation in the summer, but um, who are you going to go and get from where that's going to add so much value now versus the financial cost of doing so that is going to come into a bond fight that may end up, you know, you, you can't bring in a top player and say, we're going to be in the Champions League next year because you might not be. Um, so it makes more sense to ride this season out, I think. Uh, and that's sensible, isn't it? It's just good business. I think it's sensible, but there are there there are three things that I are on my wish list, right? If Conte is is some kind of slimmed down, Santa's being, Santa's, you know? yeah. Well, so, so, <laughs> he, well, I don't know. He's sort of Santa, but he's slimmed down version. He's had a hair transplant. He's he's, he's kind of sorted himself <laughs> out. But if he could, if I could ask for three things on my 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 list, it would be a new contract for Larice because mm. that man is just fantastic, and he's not he's not at the stage where you release him because you go, oh, he's too old, he's making mistakes, he can't keep up anymore. He looks as good as the day we signed him. So a new contract for Larice. Would anyone disagree? Would anyone disagree with that? Yeah, this is the best he's been in his career, and yeah. he, I think he's a world class keeper. Where are you going to find another world class keeper from? Yeah, exactly. even by the right. summer where are you going to get that from no, it's not happening so, so next new new contracts beautiful um, if I could get one incoming player because his contract is it's not. I don't think it's up this summer I think it's next so it's, it's sort of running down but it's not at the stage where you just wait four months I think Adama Traore is purpose built for Conte and a wing back yeah. role 
and I just I and I just look at him and I'm like, if you could get that for under 20 million, that deal done, I think he would give you so much balance in your team because we're very left leaning. It's all through Reggion. <laughs> you are. Like, I was going to well, say, not all of Tottenham is. <laughs> yeah. well, I've seen elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I just look at I look at the team sometimes, and um, yeah, I, I actually think Royale is a really good player, and I think he will come good. We kind of forget he looks a bit tough and sort of old and kind of like sort of grizzly. He's only twenty two. Like yeah. he's actually he's, he's no, young. I agree. He, he gets he's getting a lot of slack on on, on the twitters and all of that. And I think it is a little bit unfair. You're expecting heaven and earth from a guy you yeah. signed in in the summer and he came over here, didn't speak a word of the Queen's English. He's only 22. And you're expecting him. He, like, he walked into that Palace game, the first Palace game at Sohas Park, which we lost 3-0. And that was his first, that was his debut for us. He'd literally been there for a few days. And we're like, right, there you go. Have a go on that and see what happens. And obviously it was an unmitigated disaster, but that wasn't his fault. He's looked better. Uh, as the games go on. Positionally, he's smart. His delivery wasn't good enough against Watford, quite frankly, given the amount of space that he had, the amount of opportunities he had. But defensively, I think he's pretty good. Uh, quite often, he's compared to Aurier. You know, was he, is he actually any better than, than a man you've let go for free? Yes, definitely. He doesn't make as many fatal errors as, as Aurier does. Better defensively. Probably a better aptitude, better reading of the game. And I think he's positionally the most intelligent wing back we have at the club at the moment. Um, because Tanganga isn't that player for me. He's not a well, wing back, a Doherty is Doherty. The positional awareness is a big part of why he um, is probably has a lot of credit in the bank, certainly with Conte, because of the way that he wants to play. Because uh, that's going to be so important in that position. Um, because he's got a bit of growth p- potential but he nails that part of his game already. It means that he is already in the, um, he's, he's like, you know, it's, it's like deciding that you want a particular brand of shoe and he's the right type of shoe. He's just not necessarily the right size. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do, I do see what you're saying. Uh, I will give him a shout out as well because, um, you see his dog went missing for probably about a few hours. <laughs> mm. after that. I, don't, I don't know what happened. Like the test of, uh, real test of his English already when he's having to put on his Instagram story, can you find my dog? It's somewhere in East Finchley. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he had a Rottweiler. That, that does, I think he left the gate open and it ran off. Um, but yes, he, he has been found. The dog has been found. So um, yeah, That's nice. shout out to Emerson. I do have a little, I will stick up for him a bit. I think we can, we've got a lot more to see from him. So let's give him a bit of time. But what I will pull you up on, Jules, is this absolute love of Adama Traore, or as I call it, the beefy Bergwijn. I, I just don't buy it. You, you, obviously, the, the, sort of the 40 million that was being quoted in the summer isn't going to happen again. Could you get him for 20 million in January of the stories at the moment? And probably that or less in the summer. Who knows? He didn't actually start for Wolves tonight. There was a few Twitter accounts were saying, Look at the ball he's done and look what he's done to, to create the goal for, for Matunia, uh, who scored tonight. Let's not talk about him being linked to Spurs again. But Troy didn't start the game. He's not even being trusted to start for Wolves. I know it's well, a different but, system, but, but, I, but the but cross I, he put into reason, the box also wasn't that good. It just happened reason, to fall to Matunia. 
but the reason it is the same system though they play a back three the exact same that we do there's tonight was cody kilman and size at the back and Neves played right wing back but sorry not Neves. um Semedo played right wing back and I understand why they trust Semedo they've invested a lot of money in him from Barcelona and he's got a long contract whereas Adama Traore has turned down like three contract offers and has made it clear he's he's either sell me or I go on a free so the reason he's not getting to that Wolves team isn't because he's not good or he doesn't drive them forward it's because there's politics at the club but you look at him and you can just see do, do you not get the same sense that I think his skill set is so perfectly suited to the wing back role that you look at like someone like Victor Moses who wasn't wasn't a great player, well, but he wasn't he wasn't a great player, was he, uh, Victor Moses? And then under Conte in that role where it's all about the pace and the stamina and the ability to beat your man on the outside and just hit the ball low, ideally across the posts. Like I, I look at him and I think Adama Traore, if you get him for that money, it would balance us out. And you're right, it doesn't mean I don't think. You know, I can't right back. I can't right wing back is good, but Doherty is shit, and Tanganga can't play there. So yes. you need another option. Yeah, yeah I agree. Duration, though, everything you've just said there makes me think if he's twenty million to Spurs, he's sixty million to Newcastle. <laughs> That's a good point. We're going but to get for all of the players that we go for. That we take, including but, Trippier. I'd take Trippier at Spurs, honestly. It, but, Trippier, Trippier is going to Newcastle for 25 million. Yeah, I know. I know that's, yeah. that's where he'll go. And Newcastle. we can't outbid them ever. No, but I mean, Newcastle will have to do one hilarious year in the championship. So for me, it's, <laughs> gonna be, it's, it's all going to be worth it just to watch the richest club in the world for one year have to do those away legs. And then, yeah, eventually they'll do a city and they'll come up and they'll spend all the money and, you know, fucking dominate football cunts. But at least for, <laughs> at least for just next year they get to go down into the championship and we can look down on them and laugh so let's do that um, can, can I also just um, just say it, it took me a moment to clock and I don't know whether it was accidental or not then but if it wasn't fair play you said that Emerson Royale doesn't speak a word of the Queens which <laughs> yeah great yeah, good. I meant that. Right, that, that <laughs> um, yeah. all I will say to, pull, to, to, to clash with you again Jules because look we disagree but mm. Was Vic, Victor Moses was was already at Chelsea when Conte came? Is that am I right in saying that? He was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, money is obviously not an object for Chelsea, but very clearly is for us. It's another twenty million pound risk, essentially, where we we've invested in players like that before. I mean, I put Bergwijn in that category. You could probably put Aurier in that category as well, and it hasn't really worked out for us. And. Mm. Should, should we not be spending that money better? Why are we spending that much money on a on a player who mm, you, you could be converted into the best wing back available for us? But I I I think because you need a second option there, number one, because I just don't trust Doherty and Tanganga. Well, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You so so we need a player in that position. And actually, we talk about the like I'm. I would rather we bought one player a year for 50 million than two for you know two and three for 50 million, but adding like 10, 2020, 20, because I think you get better proven quality knowing knowing that. However, this is you know we're really as Jim says we're not going to go out and spend 50 million on you know some of the big signings we've been rumoured with right now because we're not going to do that in a January window. But you can make I think a substantial difference to our ability and our run in 
when you're playing games exactly like the ones we've just seen, where you're against low block defences, where you can't get that breakthrough, where we don't have much pace and much like invention dribbling dribbling in certain areas of the pitch, you add a player who can just do that. And we might be nil-nil, 85 minutes against fucking Burnley, and he might be the guy who no, just he's beats, not, he, beats he's Charlie not, Daniels, because... whips it across. Yeah, but I could beat Charlie Daniels in a in a foot race. Let's be honest. Um, but he would get in all the same positions that Emerson did uh, against Southampton and but, the Watford. But be rapid and, and would, really good dribbling. Yeah, and still be in the same positions as Emerson and not have a good enough cross in the locker. For me, getting down down the flanks to the wing backs and getting the ball in isn't always the best way to to beat a low block. You needed something a bit. Uh, unpredictable, something different, and for me that that should have been in the middle of the park. I would have liked to have seen Ndombele have come on to make a difference in those games to give you that unpredictability. Is I think he might be waiting where... a while for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's not going to happen. He's gone. Let's face it, he's gone. Let's yeah. cash in on him. I, I'm over that. But we should should we not then invest in a in an actual number ten or a creative midfielder yeah. who who's going to be that difference? Is that also? I think so. I mean, where I whereas sort of. I'm not as as anti it as you, Fed, but I don't. For me, I don't think it quite stacks up as a deal. Partly because I don't necessarily think it's the right thing to do, but also just from a kind of financial point of view, I, I still don't think you would get him for 20 million. Just because Wolves would probably look at it and go, well, if we're going to lose the kid anyway, 20 million is neither here nor there. even for Wolves, 20 million is neither here nor there really. Um, mm. So they're probably going to decide that it's worth having the extra five months of him playing for them, because for them that's the difference between finishing twelfth or potentially, you know, finishing seventh, eighth, getting into the Conference League. Um, so I just, <laughs> I, I'm just not sure it stacks up. If any Wolves fan listens to this, don't get your hopes up about the Conference League. Let's nip that in the bud. Well, all right, let's let's agree to disagree. I'll give you the third one, and you've kind of touched on it, Ben. Um, my third wish from Mr. Paratici and Conte would be, I think we need to get one midfielder off the books for some cash if there's the offer. I think well, out of Deli you know Ali, Deli Ali and Tongi, I think one of them's got to go. Well, it's going to mm-hmm. be in Dombley, isn't it? I mean, I'm happy for both to go, to be frank. I mean, even if Deli goes on loan for the rest of the season at Newcastle, fine. Actually, we could sell Deli now. He could go back to the Championship. Oh, that's so deep. Um, when he gets I, think, I, I mean, in case in case anyone listening hasn't seen the rumours, it sounds pretty likely that Tongi's going to go to Roma, obligation to buy 30 million euros, um, which is half of what we paid for him. Um, surprised that Jose Mourinho wants to work with him again. Maybe maybe we've been kind of reading him wrong all this time maybe <laughs> maybe he's actually a nice fella maybe he really was trying to help when he went and did that personal training with him on the on the common in lockdown um what 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 do you make of that uh, with the Ndombele deal fine let it happen I think he's had plenty of opportunity I think he's been here for two and a half years is that are we at two and a half years now pretty sure mm. we are yeah that's more than enough yeah. time for you to show yourself as to whether or not you can be the player that everyone thought you would be or not and unfortunately, it hasn't worked. And we've got to accept that and go, right, well, if we can get 30 million for him now, that's still clawing back, what, 
at least oh, at least half of, of his value. It's whatever, it's whatever. it's less than half because we paid sixty million quid and we're going to get about twenty seven million pounds back. Well, yeah, which but, is a pretty pretty shambolic yeah, piece of business. Yeah, well, that, that's but, just the weakness of the pound at the moment, Pad. Yeah. Really, well, but, also like that 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 business happens. Like about one in yeah. three transfers work out. Some of them don't. Yeah, you know, it's not the end so, of the world. Cash in on him. I did see another rumour today from uh, a fairly big Italian source, maybe not necessarily the best, but about him going to uh, Milan instead as part of not a direct exchange, but as part of the deal to bring uh, Frank Cassier in from Milan, who we've been linked to for some time. His contract runs out. Again, he's one of these players where you can get him in January, allegedly for 10 million, as little as 10 million. But you could also get him for free in the summer. Um, again, and one of those, another great player in midfield who I think Spurs would really benefit from, and he would be an improvement on, obviously an improvement on Delhi and and Dombele mm. that 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 we have at the moment. It's again, it comes down to that question of do you do you pay the money now when it doesn't really make a big difference? I suppose the only caveat to that is, do we have to pay the money now to avoid potentially losing them to? another suitor in the summer there's there's a big reason you do pay the money now just to give you one which is that whatever you don't pay now the agent is going to charge us an additional fee as a sign-on bonus plus an agent fee in the summer so realistically you're going to end up paying like if if, if you sign kessie on on a free in the summer then it will be an enormous sign-on deal and actually it won't be that different that's what all the all the, the sort of the best in the know journalists, um, Jim, you, and you. you must know them, um, and, and Jim, uh, always say. If Good you, save. If, if, you, if, you, if you listen to, you know, uh, the, um, David Ornstein as an example, like he always says that it, it will end up being fairly similar at, at anyway as an outlay. So it's not like it's the same contract in January or in June. If we go back to Cassie having said, oh, we'll wait six months and not pay the 10 million, that agent's going to say, okay, well, Four million more for me and six million more for the player. Then please, you know, you, it won't it won't work quite yeah. like. No, that's but a fair point. We should we should you know those are my wishes. We will see whether yeah. or not Paratici and Conte can can come through and yeah. give some air. I don't disagree with the uh, strategy. I potentially disagree with some of the names. Um, what about a striker though? Obviously, Kane. This is the problem we've got with this this intense period, and and I include Sun slightly in that as well. I think Sun's look really off the pace. The last three games in particular, like he, he does look rusty. He does look tired, in my opinion. Despite, you know, obviously getting the assist against Watford, winning the penalty against Southampton. Obviously, I think it has disguised the fact that I think his touch has just looked off the ball. Uh, well, yeah, pun intended there. Um, <laughs> in those last three games, Do, is, we've always talked about a backup number nine for Kane, and it <laughs> we never seems to have found that person. But when it, when is that time, and who who is the answer, and why is it Carlos Vinicius? <laughs> <laughs> He's banging in the goals, by the way. I well, think, uh, go on, Jim. You go. Yeah, absolutely. On the first point, it's it's a signing that needs to happen. Um, but on who, I'm struggling because um, you need somebody that's good enough to be a strong backup, but somebody that's possibly not always going to be starting. That's that's on the basis of the current squad. In the summer, that might change because 
who knows what happens with Kane. I don't think City will come in for him again. But if they do, you know, let's see where that that goes. I mean, he's having a pretty dismal season by his standards. Um, and also, not to like labour the point too much, but like the finances don't really work in January. And also, again, it's who are you going to go and who's going to sell? Yeah, this is this is why I I just don't think you can get like realistically. The only deal you get done in January is one where the selling club has a bit of an incentive for contract reasons or because the players are having a shit season to get rid. Like yeah. we, like exactly how we feel with Delian and Dombele and how yeah. some clubs will feel with players who are yeah, out of contract soon or whatever. You're not going to go and get the striker that you want to add to this team now. So for me, it's, a, it's dead in the water. The only thing with Son, Ben, is that I think, I think sometimes we kind of forget that we ask him to play so many different roles and to move around the pitch and to do everything because Kane is just fucking immobile. And actually, <laughs> like Son is asked to play left wing, then to track back, then to play as a nine, then he's got to drop off, then he's got to play, you know, chasing behind because all Kane wants to do is stand there and get the ball and shoot and not do anything else. Actually, I think Son, I don't think he's, I, I agree his touch doesn't look quite there, but I think he's just adjusting to a new position. We're playing him mm. basically up front now. Um, which is clearly yeah, I'm not criticising him, by the way. Yeah. He, I, I no. think he's been overused. But. Yeah, I, I, th- I think he's been overused. I think we forget he's 28, I believe. You know, he's not. He's he's mm. he's in his peak, but he's not. You know, a spring chicken anymore. And we keep moving him around Steady the pitch. And give him... <laughs> speaking <laughs> of someone who's speaking as the yeah. only member of the pod who's still three months away from being 28. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I think that. I think that there's nothing wrong so much with the forward line. I think you just milk them for what you can until until April. But I think the only area of the pitch that you can feasibly get someone in for would be wing right wing back and then get a contract over for Lloris. If we did that in the next 28 days, be delighted. Nostradamus has spoken. <laughs> yeah, he has. It, my, my only potential counter is, yeah, Jim's talking about the struggle of how do you find a striker who's willing to to be a backup but good enough to to put pressure on Harry Kane essentially? There's there's potentially, I mean we're always linked to Vlahovic and there's an mm. argument that he it's would not, be too good to. Well, we'll see. But it, just to use him as a, that caliber of player as an example, there's an argument that he's too good to come in and challenge, or to you know to sit on the bench behind Kane essentially and rotate in for Kane. The caveat to that is Conte sometimes changes his front line depending on the opposition. He went for a three-man midfield against Liverpool, and I, obviously, I think I think that was, that was a good a good thing. It worked well. I think we would have been overrun with a two-man midfield because most things have run Hoybier. But if he does that, if he changes his system depending Including on the opposition, yes. <laughs> if we are playing big, big teams, and he'll probably do it against the, the biggest of teams that we play. Uh, he will play with the, the, the three-man midfield to try and shore things up a bit, which means we'll play with two strikers, which at the moment is still always going to be Son and Kane. He just throwing Lucas every now and then when he changes the system. But if you bring in Vahovic, you can use him as, as a front two with Kane. Whereas if you're using three up front, there's an argument that you just need one of him or Kane and then two kind of winger come forward as in your Lucas Sonmold, which would give him more game time, potentially. I, 
You see, see what I'm what, saying? I see what you're saying, but I still think you're wrong for two reasons. <laughs> Number one, just stylistically, Blavich is like, he's a big unit, you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's a strong guy and, he, and he's a good runner. Like he's, he does actually cover the pitch, but he's not, we can't just load our front line with sort of quite immobile forwards. And we're, we're already having to play Son as like this kind of jet setting, like, you know, jet, jet heel bunny because Kane is immobile. We can't, we can't have Son having to do the running of a three-man front line on his own. Um, also, I just think it's a bit mute because he looks like he's going to go to Juventus for like 100 million euros. So I, I think it's going to be... I think Vlajevic, the, the, the ship has sailed on, on that one. Maybe a year ago, we could have done something, but the reality is he's having the best year, I think, best calendar year of any player apart from Ronaldo in Syria, our history. So I don't think he's going to come to Spurs, sadly. Mm, that is sad. But what is less sad is the future of Tottenham Hotspur, because we're still in the League Cup. We've got a mm. semi-final on Wednesday away at Stamford Bridge. Conte returning, because the people like Sky love this sort of shit. Like, oh, Conte's going back to the, to the club he used to play at. That's significant. I mean, I, I tire of these yeah. analogies, but managers that have been around minions. a lot happen to play, go back to yes. a team they've they've managed before. And is that going to affect the outcome? No. That, no. that, that fact in itself alone, no. Um, anyway, Chelsea has sort of been on a slight down at the moment, probably perks up a bit from their performance against Liverpool. Um, the, the old classic Tuchel where he gets a year into the job and falls out of the board and then never gets sacked. I uh, was hoping it would happen a bit sooner than his usual form at Chelsea, but he seems to have recovered it slightly of late. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, though. I reckon it's going to be a super clash. I'm, I'm thinking of like when we beat them 5-1, whenever that was, <laughs> early noughties. I think it was sort of Wellington Cup. But surely we'd do a big game like that. I'd love that. Come on. I love how you've really swung for the big result there. Like, like no yeah. shit at all. Like, I'm, I'm a bit terrified. Oh God. Just, just because, really annoyingly, Kante and Kovacic were back and fit for the Liverpool game, and yeah. we, they've been out for quite a long time. And when it was Jorginho plus like Loftus Cheek, I was like, oh, we can get in amongst <laughs> this. George, yeah. poor, poor Jorginho is having to play every single minute of every single game and he looks absolutely broken and that that believe me as someone who has to play in a two-man centre mid partnership with a back three it's fucking knackering like like you are the most exposed sitting ducks of anyone but <laughs> now Kovacic and Kante like they are just two of the best midfielders so I I, I, I was hoping that they wouldn't quite be back for it and maybe Tuchel will rest them and go, well, fuck it. It's only the League Cup. We've got to focus on the league. And that way we don't have to face them. But I think I think a lot will rest on the team that Chelsea put out. I don't think anybody does that in a, in a League Cup semi. Not in a semi-final. If it was like the third round or something, then yeah, but... You, you it's, are it's going to be the full strength team. I think so. I mean, you'd be mad not to. Any manager would be mad not to because it's two games away from Wembley. This is the Manchester City Cup and City aren't in it. It's a good opportunity for any of the teams left to pick it up. Is it, um, isn't it also only single leg semi-final this year no, because it's of two, COVID? Which is, I was thinking 
um, I was I was really hoping that Fenn didn't come to me first and he did me a solid because in my head I was thinking this is either going to be a really open end uh, open kind of end to end game, uh, a bit like Chelsea Liverpool the other day, or it's going to be really cagey. And I was trying to work out which I think it will be, um, and because it's two legs. I've got a feeling it's more, it's likelier to be cagey, partly because, like you say, Kante uh, and Kovacic are back, and I think Spurs will want to keep it tight and be in the game, taking it back to uh, Why Not Lane. Um, and, and also, I wonder whether, uh, because Chelsea's recent troubles have meant that they are slightly light on numbers, and it was such a high-octane game, I've got a feeling they will also be a little bit flat, even if mm. they do play most of their big guns. So I've got a feeling that it might be one of those occasions that looks like a good one on paper and turns out to be a bit of a bore. Well, isn't Jim the voice of absolute <laughs> optimism in 2020? Well, <laughs> no, I just, I just think, I think out of the games coming up, this, this one has the biggest potential to disappoint. You know, you, you know how you can get people to do like the voice recordings for like your Tom Tom or something like that. If Jim offered a service like for alarm clock wake ups, you'd get no fucking sign ups because it would all just be Jim just going, <laughs> "Why don't you just go back to bed and roll over?" That would be all. That would be all. It would be so. Today depressing. is not worth getting up for. <laughs> it's rainy outside. Make a cup of tea and get back into bed. Twitter is fun. <laughs> well, yeah, all right, but that's what you do though, isn't it? You either in a first in a two leg tie, you either want to go out full pelt and kill it in the first leg, or you want to stay in the game and take it to the second leg. And if you're away first, the sensible thing to do, unless you know that, and I mean, obviously it depends on who's going to play. It makes sense to try and keep it tight, <laughs> and then have a really good game a week later at Wyart Lane. I I didn't say I disagreed with you. I just said that I thought it was a depressing outlook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think what we need to consider as well, I mean, we'll cover it uh, obviously after, but the, the sort of fixtures that follow these these legs. So obviously we play Wednesday and then at the weekend, it's the FA Cup weekend. We've got Morecambe, I don't know who Chelsea have, but they've you know, got they'll Chester be fields th- on either side yeah. of the field that they need to particularly. Yeah, so it, exactly. So it means full strength for Wednesday, rotate out of the weekend, full strength for the following week. Yeah. But after that, it's City after they, that, isn't it? They have City, and we, we, have, have, we have Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. So Sorry, both, yeah, te- both both teams have got big games coming up, which we'll have to consider as well. Yeah. Maybe the the outcome of the first leg will affect the team selection in the second, obviously. But um, I think that, I think they'll have a, a lot to do with it. Um, so what, what was, what's the score prediction then for this first? We'll stick with just the first leg for now. Uh, God forbid we'll do another podcast next week if we can actually ever find each other again. Uh, Jules, go on. Are you, are you, let's, let's start on the more positive note because Jim will ruin it. <laughs> I'm going to go with 2-1 to Spurs. Oh, huge. Course, course, course. Jim? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it'll be a bad result. I just think it'll be tight. But I think it probably won all for the first leg. 4-1. Fuck them. It's gonna wow. be an annihilation. It's that fucking time. We're just gonna, it's gonna be. They'll have a lot of ball, and we'll just have these ruthless counters. Big game atmosphere. It'll be really lively in that ground. We've got like four thousand one hundred, I think, is our allocation for it. 
Mike's going to be carnage. So <laughs> bring it on. I'm, I go on, big result. Fuck it. This is the the year kind of ended in one recently. So <laughs> <laughs> let's have it. Um, anyway, as I touched upon, uh, we've got Morecambe for the weekend. Slightly uh, less of a glamorous fixture. Although for them, it is a glamorous fixture. So you're never quite sure where you're going to end up on it in a third round cup tie against lower league opposition. Is Morecambe, is it at theirs or at ours? No, it's at home. Okay, I reckon 4-0. Pump them. To Morecambe? <laughs> to us. I think we'll absolutely slap, <laughs> slap, slap the living shit out of them. Um, Brutal. Nah. If it was, I, I think if it was at their ground, I'd be a little bit more uh, inclined to say risky. Um, but against against an opposition like that on a pitch like ours in that stadium, they're in for a slapping. Good night. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they are. There's... <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait uh, for the hindsight of like Spurs went on to lose two nil, <laughs> and well, look back at this footage of us going here, we're going to slap them. <laughs> A, a bit of a um, uh, anecdote about Morecambe. They um, first got promoted into football league about ten, twelve years ago, something like that. And for most of that time, they had a uh, they were managed by a scouse guy called Jim Bentley. And I think it was his first job in management, and he ended up staying there for like eight, nine years or something. And every year, basically, they finished like 21st, 22nd in League Two, just about stayed up every year. And everybody thought, oh, that's good for them because small club, small budget, yada, yada, yada. Jim Bentley's doing a really, really good job. Then the year that COVID hit, um, what was it, 1920, I think, um, he took a step down. He left Morecambe to go into the National League with Fylde, who at the time were the big spenders in the National League. Uh, and they were favoured for promotion, and he got them relegated. <laughs> and um, he's still there; they stuck with him for some reason. But the year later, like that that year, that was mid-season, and Morecambe finished like twenty-second again, as they always did. Then the year later, the first year they didn't have Jim Bentley, they finished second <laughs> and got promoted. <laughs> So little Morecambe that were massively punching above their weight and Jim Bentley was doing an amazing job, got rid of him and suddenly got promoted. And he <laughs> but, got um, his new job relegated. And he's, yeah, so he's now three divisions below them. So that was a good career move. Um, <laughs> but no, they, um, they're, they're pretty gash, to be honest. I think um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, you occasionally get the ridiculous third round result that's overwhelmingly one-sided I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was like a six seven wow one token goal <laughs> oh you're not you're not going to give us the clean sheet i mean no. would, despite the fact that we've got like <laughs> that wouldn't be that just wouldn't be the right order of things would it <laughs> in the country over the last eight eight games but no jim doesn't say a clean sheet <laughs> there's nothing we can do to persuade him fed correct yes so you're going six one then jim Seven one. Whoa, massive. Whoa. <laughs> right, Jules, higher or lower than seven? Lower. We've already lower? done me, mate. I said four nil. Oh, you going for four nil? All right. Uh, we, we, yeah. We've already done uh, this. We're, we're in circles. Jim was the last no, man. prediction. I, I don't really listen to what you say. Um, 
I think we'll win, but I think we'll rotate a lot, and I don't trust the players who come in, so I think we'll make a big zero here, but I still think we'll win 2-1. But <laughs> I think we'll, we'll, we'll make it more difficult than it should be. Fingers crossed. And mm. then next week we get to look back at Chelsea, and we have to look, look ahead to Arsenal. It's all fucking yeah, happening Yeah, and look, look forward to, to Chelsea again. Uh, and then nice. we play Chelsea again soon this month, don't we? Um, yeah. In the yeah. league. That's a massive month for Spurs. Um, and it's a massive month for this podcast. For, for no particular reason whatsoever. It's just, just, just it's massive. Just, it's just, yeah, just, it's just a pain to get to get. Just a lot of mass. Yeah. That's mainly because of the Christmas diet or lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, pub soon? <laughs> Yeah, let's let's maybe make oh, our yeah. social plans offline. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't I don't know about you, but I'm going to go because I've got food waiting. So cool. Yeah. Really? Ben, wrap, ben, wrap us you up. You enjoy that food. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.